Welcome to the Squarebase Podcast, a subsidiary of the Honest Wargamer Network. On today's show, me, Rob, will be joined by my co-host Val Heffelfinger, and we'll be discussing the first rules preview that we've seen from Games Workshop on the old world, a Warhammer fantasy. I forgot the rest. I forgot. I forgot what it was. <laughs> I think you actually nailed it when you said from Games Workshop. I'm like, man, he just landed this thing on the aircraft carrier. Beautiful, and then you just kept going. But I it's, faded it there. Isn't it square based? A Warhammer fantasy in the old world. That's the title. Um, it is. What was that? What? Yeah, it is, is. Was that? Is that it? Yeah, that's, that it, that's it. That's it. So, uh, just uh, anyone who's watching the show, uh, especially if you're watching it live, but if you're watching this back as a YouTube video or listening to it as a podcast, uh, you'll see that we've done some fancy branding because we're very excited about the old world. Uh, we get mm -hmm. some rules and updates. Uh, be, please do expect there to be at some point a new, a new YouTube channel, a new podcast feed, and uh, all of the old world content is being part like passed out to its own feed so if you only and exclusively want old world and for some reason don't want to engage in any of the other content i make for some reason uh like like a monster uh but the the reason for that is is because val and me have talked about the fact that community building is going to have to be a very large part of the content that we do yeah. for the old world over the next year after release a couple of reasons we'll just jump straight in with them number one the community is obviously a young like as in they like it will be a new yes. it'll be a new community but b there will be a returning like grognard wing um, uh -huh. and uh, i think we would like to make a very square based community for ourselves yes. Uh, uh -huh. So if you do want to be a part of that community, then uh, the doors will be open sometime soon. And if you check the YouTube comments and or links, uh, all the podcast links, or there might even be a link to uh, a Discord, a Patreon, a Facebook group, uh, a bunch of stuff. So uh, depending on how much I get done by the time this video gets uploaded, if that's okay. That's okay. So, uh, so Rob and I have, this like, basically this was table stakes from when, when Rob and I started in January. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has taken this long for the Eye of Sauron. That is Rob's hyper focus to turn his gaze uh, to the Square Base podcast. And holy hell, have things moved fast. <laughs> I got my fish. We got Square Basses right above my head. Yeah, We've yeah. got uh, we got the YouTube channel coming. That's amazing. We're going to have our own podcast feed, which is great. I think also this is going to be good for your content, too, because all the, all the like weird fantasy old world weirdos who are going to like want to shit on AOS, um, they can just go straight to what they want, you know? What, and then shit, we can shit on Warhammer Fantasy. Shit on Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, then shit on us. There's shit on us, which is perfect. This is what we want. You want you want to be very specific in what you're shitting on in, on the internet. You don't want to generally shit. Yeah, I don't want to spend too long on this, but this is something I'd like to to do in the future. This is like the first part of like what I'd like to do. I love talking about the different game systems that are out there. Star Wars Legion, uh, sorry, Shatterpoint. It, it's probably next in the wings. Uh, I do a lot of Age of Sigmar content. I do probably more Age of Sigmar content than almost anyone on the internet. Um, like, uh, and I think it's pretty good. So I think what I'm trying to do is just develop a stable, and this is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about the old world, uh, and it's nice. And special shout out to Tom for doing all the GFX. Uh, Holy cow! Look, yeah, yeah. And there's more to come as well. Merch, yes, please. Yeah, uh, dice, come on, forget about it. Uh, sure. Yeah, a Val Heffelfinger figure that you can use in your games. Yes, that's very achievable. I See if you can get the uh, if if you get now she might have become the chief on the honest wargamer, but I'm gonna I'm 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 demoting 
the chief down to the intern once more for the Square Base podcast. So, uh, you know, if she wants to design some some uh, some 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 three D mints. Let's go. We can send you down to the resin mines. It'll be good. <laughs> for, for where I truly live now. Uh, that's where I truly live. All right. So I don't want to beat around the bush. Check the links in the comments. There may also be a podcast feed. We will make a video announcement. I'll also make some social media announcements if that ends up being the case. And if you are excited yeah. about it, uh, there will be a way to support the exclusive only uh, fantasy content. That's important uh, because if you, th that's just how content works. If you want it done well and professionally, there's loads of things I need to do. Currently, I'm in talks with someone for developing an army builder because we need that for when it launches uh, mm -hmm. uh, in an international event calendar. There's a lot. There's a lot that can be done. Uh, so anyway, but that's for later. Right now, we get to be square bast and we get to talk about some amazing news, which is going to be very fun. Val Helfelfinger. Holy shit. Val Before we get into it, though, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, feeling great, feeling evenly lit, feeling uh, feeling the show's got a, a wonderful look. Thanks again, Tom. Uh, and just so jazzed by how hopeful and wonderful the actual old world information we got this past week was. Um, so yeah, so like things are good. Uh, while just... they melt down for Creative Assembly. So this is uh, this is all lining up nice. Do you want to get straight into it or? Um, we, sure. We have, I mean, we have yeah. heard some rumors. If you want to go into the rumor section real quick. Now you sure? I thought we wanted to vowel rock and and have uh, have rumors at the end, but that's fine. Oh yeah, uh, no, we'll we... do those. No, let's do those at the end. That's right. You're absolutely okay. right. Rumors at the end. Rumors at the end. You're right. Well, we. Oh my god, are we can develop a format. Hellos. We could straight into the article because because my other podcast process is hellos inane insane chatter for up to an hour. The actual <laughs> the actual information. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's because you got to work yourself up into a good lather. But we have the song, which just it just accelerates that whole process. Yeah. So you're you're ready once the song hits you. <laughs> right. So uh, let's go straight into it. So we got our first look at army rules. That's what we got. The old world. Oh, we did. Your first look at mm -hmm. the army rules for the old world. And before we dive into this info, Val, I know obviously you've read this thoroughly. You've probably talked about it a lot on some uh, Facebook groups. What is your kind of like uh, going into this? Did you have any hopes and dreams, you know, that have been like, I, I don't want to spoil the shattering or even the the confirmation, but did you have any hopes? Were there any kind of like two things I'd like to see before going into this? Yeah, competence. Um, I wanted to see them clearly having like using the, I don't know, design language and, you know, evolved approach to rules writing that they've learned since fantasy died. So like all of the, as much as we, like we used to rag on GW even more for how they wrote rules, um, you know, in the era before 2017. And uh, it's lovely that they didn't just, you know, half bake this at all. Like you can see in the way that they're structuring some of the rules they describe, the fact that there are phases and identified sub phases, Rob, Hello. sub phases, big Hello. boy time. Hello. That's what the um, show is. The show is a phase and then we'll break the sections down to sub phases. Just very meta, very meta, excellent. Um, so yeah, like I, basically overall directionally, this looks fantastic. This gives me confidence to just trust their lead. You know, whatever. You know, there may be certain stylistic features that that uh, I may not like at first blush, but whatever, man. I'm going to play this game, and it looks like it's already going to be the most tightly written game of fantasy we've ever had. 
Yeah, so uh, like just kind of a quick TLDR for everyone at home. I've been talking about this. I talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. I didn't create any right, record any content about it, uh, but me and the chat had like kind of a, a chat about it. And I think the best thing I saw said, I think Shadow Sun said it uh, on Tuesday. He said this feels like a very competent, um, like a very competent Games Workshop like structure. Like uh, Age mm-hmm. Sigmar follows the same structure now. Forty K follows the same structure, but it's also a structure that's like. 10 to 15 years old like and 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 there's nothing wrong with that like you know and we are going from like a very minimalist uh expectation to like holy shit sub phases which really we should be like you know this this should be a very common thing but games workshop have a system now and they pretty much always orientate their games around that system and i'm actually pretty happy about that like to be honest so to be honest, like because I've been living in eighth edition for two years now, um, if you go back and read that rule book, it's actually for its day pretty tight as far as GW rules are concerned. Um, it's actually impressive how much tighter uh, Warmer Fantasy Battles eighth edition is compared to say a contemporary like I don't know Warmer forty k sixth edition, which yeah. was an app perhaps the worst edition they've ever written. Um, and uh, at you know like if you go back though and you read eighth edition. The style is very conversational. So the the way they describe rules is is in just it's got a lot of extraneous words. Like they just they're not economic with how they describe things, and that creates inconsistencies or maybe some gray area in a lot of what they discuss. So now you can see that they've really tightened things. They're they're you know basically the, every word they use is important, which is great. Whereas before it was kind of written. You know, in a voice as if just some, someone's at the pub explaining to you how the game works. That's literally how they wrote. It was very conversational. That's right. Yeah. 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 And uh, now it's very mechanical, which immediately also, I can see like a lot of people come to this game, uh, you know, complaining about that, that like the rules just feel very grindy and mechanical. And I have you know, something to say about best this. For the tabletop. I have something to say about this. This year I've explored like a, quite a few different game systems. And I have something that I'm obsessed with from Games Workshop, which I like want to shout out all the time. They've been doing this for a very long time. I'm going to focus on the falcon horn of Fredamund. Um, and you're right. When we go and read the bit that's important, how it works as a rule, you know, during this com- the command subphase of their turn, right? We'll talk about that in a bit. But they always, and they've done this for every game system, and I'm obsessed with it, and I think it's great. They put a bit of flavor text at the top, and it actually is super worth reading because, like, you don't really know that the ancient horn was used by the Grail companion Duke Fredemund of Aquitaine when blown, it emits a piercing cry, and the sky becomes filled with flocks of hunting birds. Like, you don't need any conversational stuff in how it mechanically works because they put that in and i'm really right. i'm really happy like that that's always and they said they, 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 they sort of they yeah they keep it separate you know like so yeah but that's the that's basically you know very intentional purposeful writing right so like they've you know clearly written and revised what they're what they're doing and they've taken the approach that they've used in other games which is again it all bodes tremendously well I agreed agreed which is like i think we could talk about that at the end but an exciting kind of prospect so i'm going to just whip through and read through bits if that's cool and then we'll jump up at different parts let's whip let's whip it out let's go okay right the old world is nearing release in early 2024 and we've heard directly now it's just january january is confirmed uh pretty much whether it's the end of january or the beginning of january but it is january uh, which is pretty exciting. So um, very exciting, very exciting, <laughs> very exciting. I think I've just today shout out to the guys Uva in Umir in Sweden 
I've been invited. Mm-hmm. I've been invited to an old world tournament already in the at the end of February in Sweden. I feel. I feel like I got invited too, and I. I don't know where I saw it, and I. Yeah. So if those guys Let's are go. mad that I left them on red, but we'll see. We'll see. Let's go. Hey. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean, is it going? My dad was in- born in Sweden. Okay. All right. A pale people. Val. <laughs> Translucent, even. <laughs> it was the auto balance. It was literally the auto white balance. We figured it out. I don't feel as as pallid as I once did. That's good for the for the chat. That's an in, inside joke. Apologies. Right. Okay. As the Warhammer Design Studio unrolls, uh, the uh, Warhammer Design Studio unrolls the last of the green flock. It's time for us to start taking a longer look at the actual rules of the game. Today, the old world almanac looks at the basic structure of the game. The first uh, phase, the strategy phase. Uh, now, have, have these articles been rebranded? This is the almanac now. It's an almanac. No longer, de- no longer developer diaries. Old world almanac. Yes. Oh, there was some other kind of gossip as well. I'll leave that to all towards the end. I will say one okay. thing that I do know, and this is this is uh, absolutely a fact. Two things. One, this game was pretty much built, developed, and designed by a singular person. Mm-hmm. That's important. And number two, they have, for at least a year, had lots of playtesters, community playtesters not so i'm not talking about internal playtesters i'm talking about external like uh you know people who would play warhammer fantasy battle before or you yeah. know uh, people who are involved in like ninth age or stuff like that playtesting this game system for almost a year and that's pretty that's pretty positive right there's basically nothing about this game that is 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 very games workshop in 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 its creative process so that would be include the total development timeline that it's had, which is over four years. Um, you know, that's probably twice as much time as they put into any edition of AOS or 40K uh, in a long, long time. So um, I even going back, you know, they just the, the luxury of time is never something GW has. And it's probably the number one thing that holds them back. Uh, any any game company, you know, rushing to hit deadlines is going to is going to, you know, release things that need to be patched and fixed once, you know, the ship's out in the ocean. And of course this will too. Um, but I just hope that, uh, you know, that extra added love and effort, uh, and then the play testing results in, you know, a game that foundationally is, is, is really well put together. And then the grind of, you know, constant releases will wear it down, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> at release, at release, we're going to have probably again, the tightest game of warmer fantasy that we've ever had without a doubt. And that includes sixth edition. So, yeah. Okay, well, Warhammer the Old World is a new game designed from the ground up to simulate large regiments, meaning uh, meeting in combat as volleys of arrows and artillery shoot overhead and cavalry wizards here as the monsters crash into combat all around them. Uh, that's not to say this hasn't been taking place of inspiration for what came before it, including several popular editions of Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Much of the complexity has been kept, interesting uh, to make that a point, and particularly regarding morale added. Uh, but a lot of thought has been put into the structure of the phases, in particular when units and characters might use their ability. I think it's worth noting that anything written around actual like screenshots from a PDF is a community uh, article writer, uh, and the, the, their grip on the game is probably very low to zero. Uh, and this won't have been written like they may have gone in and asked yeah. some questions. So uh, taking taking information from there is uh, I would always do with a pinch of salt. It's probably not that important. And I and I suspect that their average, you know, like the service is roughly, I don't know, six hours. So they probably also had two <laughs> or three people just sort of picking up where the last person has fallen. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like it's like an old uh, British reg, you know, the just hold the line as soon as someone drops. 
Someone else picks it up, carries it forward. Um, so it can be a bit awkwardly written, I'm sure. I guess it's like fighting in a ranked battle, right? Like the, exactly. fir the first yeah. row gets killed and hopefully the second rank steps up, but maybe not in the old world. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe Who knows? Not. Right. So anyway, the turn sequence. Uh, so this is the first bit. They, they've given us a turn sequence, which I love. And also, hey, I've got two reasons for that. Extracting phase, movement phase, shooting phase and combat phase. Should we talk about that first? Uh, and then that's subdivided into sub phases. You happy with this? Yeah. You think this is nice? Nice and clear? This is great. Yeah. And, you know, the, the biggest takeaway from this, of course, is the loss of the magic phase. But we'll cover that when we get there. Yeah. OK. Do you want to go through each turn as we go? Yeah, sure. Let's go. My one, my one issue with uh, the strategy, like with phase, uh, with turns, and then or turn sequence, and then sub phases, is that because the way games are like these games are always written, it's mm -hmm. they always find a unit who is going to uh, operate at like you know no one can run and charge, and then it, they break that rule by giving a unit the ability to like you know advance and charge or run and charge or whatever, and that's how sure. they do it. So normally everything is confined to a phase until you find that unit that then is not confined to a phase, and now you yes. need it, and now you need a new phase, and you're like, oh god. Uh, but hopefully they keep everything, yeah, exception based design. Thank you for the optics in the chat. Okay, strategy phase is the first one. During the strategy phase, the active player attempts to cast a cast enhancement or hex spells and makes use of certain special rules before attempting to rally any fleeing units. Talk to me about that. Um. Well, I mean, this this is again is just defining, uh, you know, a what has always been sort of a muddy, uh, you know, previous to the command phase. And what is it in AOS? The hero phase. Hero phase. Previous to those phases, there was a very muddy thing known as the beginning of the turn, uh, and uh, and so this becomes a neat little bucket. It's like that drawer in your kitchen. This has got rubber bands, maybe some scissors, probably some old cell phone chargers. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the everything drawer. The strategy phase allows them to just stick things into the sequence, into the order of operations in a specific place and that uh, becomes a bit of a catch all. So I don't know. I think it's a good thing to have distinctly separate and, uh, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally down with it. And it contains things, I guess, rallying used to happen at the end of the movement phase. I think it was part of compulsory movement. Um, so rallying before that's kind of interesting. Well, I think uh, some of the things that are interesting here is the fact that they're trying so hard not to call it the hero phase. They're like, no, even though this is when all the lords and if they called it the lord phase, then they would immediately have a step up against Age of Sigmar. They'd be like, ah, oh, they have the hero phase, <laughs> like whatever. We got the lords phase, right? <laughs> well, it's it's also kind of funny that like a AOS, of course, took a lot of the like naming conventions that fantasy had, like for example. Uh, you know, order and destruction. Uh, but now those are fantasy. Now those are AOS terms. So we have good and evil, which isn't as good, <laughs> isn't quite as as uh, I, I think perfectly descriptive as the old ones. So maybe they they probably not allowed to use the hero phase. But also, grognards are all about strategy and tactics. So you want uh, a strategical game. Uh, okay. So this is this is probably a little fan service calling this the strategizing phase. Yeah, I think I think it's a very clever idea just using words people like. This is a strategy game. Okay, nice. No strategy involved at all. Just roll success. Uh, right during the strategy phase. Hey. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this. You get to cast enhancement or hex spells. So the hero phase, or the, sorry, the magic phase, is Jova. It's gone. Right. 
it's no longer a part of the, well, the it's dispersed it's been dispersed it, it has it's been it's been separated out uh, which is good uh like i like this personally and it does sound like you just roll it on 2d6 because we see that somebody's got a casting value of seven i'm pretty certain it's just going to be roll two dice your opponent tries to roll two dice to stop it and it's going to be just that simple in my personal yeah, opinion I... A lot, of, a lot of people are wondering, you know, will there still be a resource? Like we had Windows, Winds of Magic, you'd start the Magic phase, you'd roll 2d6, that's how many Magic dice you'd have, and you'd basically use that to, you know, you'd, you'd have to budget that and use it towards casting your Magic powers. Um, the thing is, though, when you've, uh, this is Dr. Luke Blacksell, one of my one of my favorite Warhammer weirdos, um, pointed this out on his Hot Reacts thing, which is basically, if you kept, um, if you kept resource management and spread out uh, your magic spells that can be cast throughout the game. It's very hard to track that. You're not going to be able to like keep keep a good handle on it. So I agree, Rob. I think we're probably going to see, you know, everything's on two d six. You know, plus or minus whatever uh, uh, whatever benefits you might get. Maybe your wizard level or something like that. Yeah, I think two d six plus your wizard level makes a lot of sense. Also, like I'm all for simplifying it. Someone has pointed out to me that there is probably a snag here that you are going to do the strategy phase, forget to cast your hex spell, go on to the movement phase and be like, oh, I, I, can I go back? And then you get to the movement phase and be like, oh, I forgot to cast my, my, my transportation spell. Oh, okay. Like, like, so there's the opportunity here to miss several steps, I think. Uh, like, oh. you know, when, you, when you're learning the game, I think that's a fair yeah, point. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah, a fair, but... fair point to make. Well, I'll have uh, I'll have to do the patented uh, Heffelfinger checklist uh, as I'm currently developing for Eighth Edition. Uh, at least this will be a little more easy to organize. Um, but yeah, like yeah, it's it's I don't know. I, I think it, they they put them in places that are logical enough that if you're thinking I've got to do this thing, I've got to do this thing, um, like especially a movement spell or you know like um anything like that then it, it should be logical enough that it's in the right spot that it sort of triggers in your brain a little better um whereas right now you know you kind of there's a lot of brain lock in the game because you kind of have to think about the whole picture in each um you know in each phase or each 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 part of the turn um so for example you know in the movement phase uh which become comes before magic you've got to make sure that you've set up um, your your units in the right positions at the right ranges and stuff to be able to use the stuff that you intend to use, um, and then you get weird interactions like, for example, stuff that might in impact a movement value actually doesn't really affect that unit until the following movement phase. So this I think tidies it up and again makes it a bit pretty logical. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, logical and, and also linear, which is nice. Uh, mm -hmm. I quite like that. And also I don't know how you wouldn't be in range, seeing as you moved the turn before, like. Like, as an AOS person, like, I mean this, like, with all due respect, like, knowing that someone's going to maybe get two turns before you get a turn, uh, setting that up is, is fairly simple stuff. Like I've said, like, I feel like war games have grown significantly, but it doesn't matter. We'll talk about that another day. All right, I, anyway. I would just, I, like, so this is this is something I, I got in a bit of an argument with on Facebook, which is, like, someone was like, new 40K is for, is for, is for dum-dums. Anyone could play new 40K. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Even, like, basic B... Warhammer 10th edition 40k is a vertical learning curve. It is so hard. There are so many moving parts, so many things happening that, okay, maybe you're good at this, but don't take for granted how hard it is to remember all the things you got to remember yeah. um, in this game. So having them logically laid out, I think is just helpful. Yeah, um, 100%. Maybe we can come up with some fun uh, uh, pneumatic, mimetic, what's that word, devices. 
Like, well, uh, I think we plan, yeah. we th- we plan on creating a bunch of resources. I'm a, I'm like so in all of the stuff I've done for the past year for for AOS specifically, and also for a bit for 40k. Um, I'm obsessed with flowcharts now. Like, if GW yes. hired one infographics guy, the get it's, it would be incredible. Anyway, so strategy phase, <laughs> and then you also get to attempt rally. Uh, fleeing units before you do any moving uh, and there ha- is a little bit of n- a note on rallying uh, lower down uh, that you rallying uh, rally a fleeing unit so should we talk about fleeing units if you're new and you're not really sure what we're talking about fleeing unit someone that's failed a test and is currently hightailing it out of the game normally away from a unit that's caused it to panic mm-hmm. um, and they're rallying it is doing another leadership test and then saying time to turn around boys get inside the game uh, how, <laughs> how do you feel about the rally happening all before movement and stuff it's funny that because i played um i guess because i played older editions of warhammer that and so many people have come to warhammer sort of since uh you know uh eighth edition 40k and aos that they don't have any concept of models like being in like a broken condition and remaining on the table fleeing actually on the table being able to rally and come back like those are things that haven't existed in a mainstream game. I guess probably Horus Heresy hasn't, um, but just like that sort of psychological effect is is kind of cool. So um, no, I think I think it's okay. Yes, having it before the movement phase is a little out of order, but odds are they're not going to be able to do anything in the movement phase. Um, I believe they, I believe they just get a they get a free reform to, to spin around, and it's functionally the same as it was before. Um, I did also say later on uh, that units that are below 25% need to roll a double one in order for that to happen. Uh, but that units, was, but units yeah. below 50%, it's at a minus one. Uh, I think that's the new part. I think I think for a while it's it, that that sort of double one heroic rally has always been there, or at least has been in a game somewhere along the line. Um, and uh, that minus one, just if you're beat up, so degrading but not out of the fight just yet um that's pretty cool um how that affects for of course there's all kinds of like weird things about how that affects for example you know like a unit of chariots or like three monstrous infantry you know when they're down to one guy um that that you know it's not as it's not that's not a great rule so it can it can impact how you might approach uh you know unit sizes and, and things like that Mm. Uh, it might even be a benefit to those units maybe they don't want units like that running around running away as much uh, which I think is interesting, but we'll, we'll get to it. Okay, and also mm-hmm. enhancement and hex spells. Gotta say, if you don't sell me a little deck of eight laws of magic in a box, like day one, if you don't give me that to buy, I'm pissed. Like, that's all <laughs> I got to say. Oh. 100%. I, I'm super, so I, I mean, the assumption I'm working off of is that, you know, we're going to have basically index Warhammer uh, Old World, right? So what I'm curious to see is... Uh, because each faction gets so much of its identity from its sort of, uh, you know, its list of magic spells and abilities, uh, at least in current fantasy, I'm really curious to see how much, like, for example, will vampire accounts have some of the most, uh, you know, in their PDF form, will they have their own lore of vampires? Or will they just be using, a you know, a, a more broad lore of death or something like that? Will, um, you know, any of the factions that sort of have unique magic abilities in previous games, when it's sort of the basic rule set, will they have some of that magical flavor, which I think is kind of key for them. Um, and then, of course, we're going to want to see some cards, Games Workshop. Give me some 
Give me some merch. Oh my god, sell me the merch. You could even sell me a fancy set of cards in this situation. Oh, yeah. oh like mm -hmm. uh, like you can sell me a you can sell me a wooden card holder is what you can sell me. Is how excited I am. I know this game is coming out and I have to actively resist continuing to buy 8th edition magic card decks. Like <laughs> <laughs> like I know they're going to be like something I strongly debate about recycling in like 6 months from now. Uh, but right now, I'm still like seeing them for thirty bucks and being like, "Well, you know, I don't have the ogre one." Um, so yeah, I love I love me some cards. Although if they don't have them, opportunity knocks. Yeah, opportunity I think, knocks. I think the thing you just talked about with rallying as well. I think the chat are pointing out, and I I do agree with this. I feel like all of the games are informing each other. Uh, you know, like they have the battle shock state now in in forty k, and I think there's kind sure, of like true. you know the the way that they describe it is different in the games, but they're they're moving towards an almost understandable common language, even if application is different, which I think is fun. So I like that. So they they did try like obviously in tenth edition forty k they did they did bring in battle shock but the thing with it is and this is what often happens with with uh, or at least what had previously happened with 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 um, games workshop games like this is either psychology is um, sort of intrusive to the game so it becomes like a, a very big linchpin thing that can kind of had a, a like a, an overpowering influence over what happens on the tabletop or because they want things like fist fighting and gun fighting to be the thing that determines what wins, um, they reduce it to a very minimal impact. Uh, the thing that's different in fantasy is that fantasy, like one of the main ways to deal damage in fantasy, and this is probably one of the things that kind of made 8th edition a bit awkward, was was breaking and chasing down units. So you you would have two blocks of, 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 uh, of, of infantry that would fight each other, and it wouldn't necessarily be who actually murders every single last one person in the dice rolling element of combat. It was, do they break and are they run down? Um, and that was actually how you wiped units for the, you know, for the most part. So that's a, that's a pretty big difference in how you approach, you know, uh, winning the game or, or at least dealing damage. Psychology is a big way to control the table and deal damage. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. And it makes sense in a battle, right? Like, it does. Um, and so, you know, I think they're always working towards a goal to make that more impactful. All right, so moving on from that, they've got the movement phase, starts with the declaration of charges and our, and charge reactions, then movement of charging units, and after this comes compulsory movement. Finally, any remaining movement is carried out and conveyance spells are cast, uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, so there you go. Again, we've got a phase for doing some some conveyance spells. I do wonder if we're going to see on the you know the data sheets, the war scrolls, the unit cards, whatever they end up calling them for each individual unit, if we're going to see some unique. I'd I would like to see unique spells on uh, unit cards. I would. I'd like to see generic spell laws and also uh, unique spells. This it kind of puts units in a either they're great because of the spell or the spell isn't that impactful. Um, mm -hmm. but if they do get the option also to choose a spell then you know you can mitigate you can mitigate the bad effectively um so which i think is fine uh, i quite like that like i would like to see that in the future and then how do you feel about the movement uh, options generally um well I, I think this is this is good to see that they've sort of kept some of the classic um you know fantasy element which is that you know charging is actually the first sort of movement activation um so you were setting up your charges in the previous turn really um and um so that's that's good because that's a very fantasy that'd be like 
I, don't know, I think it's kind of a, an essential element. It was really weird for me getting used to that when I first started playing fantasy. To be honest with you, it was one of the weirdest parts. Yeah. Um, was was that sort of order of operations and how it makes you think about the game. So it's great. Um, uh, and then finally, any way moving is carried out and conveyance spells ca are cast. That's interesting. So that also means that a conveyance spell does not let you or help you uh, get into position to charge things in that particular turn. So you can't convey, get closer to your opponent, and then charge. Um, that's kind of a, a, a neat little wrinkle there. I think, uh, like, I, it's it's an old way of thinking, an old way of playing. I'm pretty excited about it. I, I'm excited to put some trays down and try and charge those trays. So what I'm going to say, so I'm going to say, roll big, baby. And one, one piece, it, go on after you. Yeah, well, I mean, right here, like this is a, this is a big question mark about like where where are they taking things from previous games and a, and an open question, which I think pretty safe to say this isn't going to be a thing but there is potential for guest ranges and not pre and, and not basically not having the concept of pre-measuring no in the way. game no way there's um, gonna be pre-measuring it's no way i'm just there's a lot of people out there playing editions of this game that don't pre-measure uh so and if and if this thing is a more of a spiritual successor to sixth than eighth um eighth is the first i think eighth is the first edition that actually had pre-measurement um then Maybe they're that crazy. I can't believe that they would. Have, not having pre-measuring makes it a very hard game to play in a, any sort of serious fashion. So, um, yeah. No, no, no one's asked for that. No one wants no pre-measuring. Like, <laughs> Lots of people want that. Lots yeah, of people want they're that. idiots. Like, I want to be super clear. That sounds like it. Like, I'd immediately be out. They'd be like, you can't pre-measure that. I'm like, I'm out. This sucks. Like, immediately. Or I just FAQ it and we all measure. Yeah. Right? Uh, in my oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do have pre-measuring uh, or tournaments have. But anyway, uh, it's just an intro, a little speculation there, man. Just a little speculation. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like, so Angle is pointing out in the chat. Eight was the first and only with pre-measure. There you go. So you're just guessing. Yeah. Although I will say, playing fifth edition for like one summer when I was like twelve uh, uh, means that I can guess what twelve inches is. Like, like I, I can I can guess ranges and estimate distances really well, as long as it's under, like, four feet. <laughs> I would just accidentally always be putting down sticks, which I happen to know were certain <laughs> rages. I'd be like, oh, oh, uh, it might be nine inches. Okay, the, yeah. the shooting phase. But, okay, but if it is a part of people's, I want to put respect on if it is part of people's, like, you know, personal history uh, with with the game they're like rob pre-measuring was only something that came in in the last bit but i think again you got to remember like i'm coming at this i'm very excited currently about modern game design and we're already talking about very old game design we're talking about a redevelopment of an old game structure but it's still an old yeah. game structure yeah uh, that's so, that's so so i mean so what boards you know are they taking and using to build the new house there's a really creaky filled with holes something you don't want to put your full weight on board that is pre no pre-measuring. I hope they don't put that in the new house. But I'm just saying, like, if we're just speculating, it is still something that's an open question that hopefully they nail shut real soon. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. And everyone in the chat pointing out ways that people would voraciously cheat with that as a process. Yes. Okay, yes. let's just get rid of that. Right, okay, shoot phase. During the shoot phase, the active player shoots with those units in their army, armed with missile weapons, with their war machines, and attempts to cast magical missiles and vortex spells. Um, apologies. Yes, no problem. <laughs> apologies. This is pretty straightforward. Um, again, um, we were talking a little, we were speculating a little bit about uh, whether or not we're going to see differences in how you know weapon skill, ballistic skill work. Uh, you, you were you were saying that you're pretty confident that everything's going to be the same. 
Um, so uh, I'll be curious to see how affected things are by modifiers. Like you could get basically in old games, and this seems dumb to me, so I hope they do get rid of it. But you could actually uh, you could actually shoot on like worse than a t like worse than a six plus. So you could get up to like seven plus, eight plus. Uh, and what you would have to do is roll a six on one roll and then roll better than a four, for example. That would be a seven up. And the odds of doing that are like very, what, it'd be half of it would be like 9%, I guess, chance. So like there's really no point in doing it. So I'm hoping that if there are, um, you know, like, uh, you know, to hit modifiers and things like that in the shooting phase that, you know, they do things like they've done recently, which is, you know, cap them, uh, you know, a six always hits, a one always misses. These are things that just sort of, I think, improve the speed of play and get rid of complex rules they don't need. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that's actually like like the incredibly intrusive to new new players like sure they can learn it but why why would you why would yeah. you put that voodoo on them uh, and, it, and, and it just wastes so much time like uh, when i see people are like so are like time. oh seven up okay and then they go to roll i'm like why are you doing this just, <laughs> you, all right i'll give you one hit you get one hit all right just roll your wood you know like <laughs> i agree i do think it will we will see the the chart though i think we'll, we'll we will still see the weapon skill chart and the uh ballistic skill chart strength and toughness i think those are all charts that we're going to see i think i think i i think in many ways i really agree with the crunchiness that they add to a game like mm -hmm. it does make like it does make sense in age of sigma if you've got a weapon that hit wounds on a two it'll wound a goblin on a two and it'll wound a dragon on a two you know it's the, mm -hmm. it's the same and i think people feel that that is an like an emotional disconnect from you know like you know a dragon attacking a goblin versus a goblin attacking a goblin so i'm like yeah okay yeah. that makes sense it's always a little bit uh crunchy but i don't hate that it's there it's it's fine i i think i prefer the other system because it's quicker it's neater and I, like i'm already making a lot of I'm already making a lot of jumps mentally to make the game come alive in my head. That's another jump right. I don't mind making. But I think it's also yeah. good it'll be there. Um, well, actually, we kind of jumped out. So the, that's the ballistic skill um, shooting chart, which I guess, yeah, it's still a shooting chart. Um, uh, eighth edition was also the first one that ever had... Um, this is interesting because it was so controversial when it came into 40K. I remember very clearly in eighth edition, it was a big deal when sixes to wound, always wounded, no matter what. That was a thing in fantasy. Um, so the, on the to wound chart, um, if you roll a six, you automatically wound no matter what you're, you're swinging against. And that was a big deal. Um, and actually last time we talked about, you know, very briefly, we touched on, uh, you know, what the characteristics might be that, that make it to the game. And I wondered if, you know, they're going to go to like a two plus to hit system or, you know, the, basically the, the role you need is the characteristic. And someone pointed out, and it's something I took taken for granted, the, the fact that there is a to hit chart. Yeah, for weapons, for comparing weapon skills in fantasy, which does, it, it just changes, it just, it does change the dynamic of the fights. The fights become a lot more, um, they, they become a lot more unique and personalized depending on what that matchup is. And also, uh, the way fantasy is set up, no one is really that good at hitting in close combat, which is kind of fascinating. So the best, the best to hit you can get right now in 8th edition is a 3-up without any modifiers. And that's only if you're double plus one, your opponent's weapon skill. So say you were fighting some goblins and you had a weapon skill of five, and they have a weapon skill of two, although I think it's less than that. Um, then you would be hitting on threes. Otherwise, sorry, um, um, then you'd be hitting on threes, and then they would be hitting you on fives. That's actually where it... So defensively, having a very superior weapon skill is where you, you get the benefits. Mm. Is someone hitting you? We'll hit on fives. Otherwise, 
if you're just striking on someone who's a little bit better at you in weapon skill, you're hitting on force. Um, and if you have a little bit better weapon skill and you're hitting the, the goblin, you're hitting on threes. So there's always a closeness in ability in combat, and that kind of, I think, represents just sort of that sort of brick-on-brick brick swirling melee that, you know, someone's always able to maybe take a, a spear, spear in the eye, um, you know, rather than, you, you know, being able to best everyone and, 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 and parry every single blow. So, I don't know. It, it, to me, sometimes the crunch does create sort of a, a game state that reflects a, a different kind of or evokes a different kind of narrative or feeling for the combat. I, I, and I agree with that. That's kind of what I was trying to say with the strength and toughness values as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do I do like that crunchiness. I think that it's a barrier in some cases, especially when you get to like seven pluses and all that nonsense. And I yeah. definitely would never like a, to, there to be a situation where sixes don't wound and ones don't fail. Like, yeah. you know, I agree with you. And also it's a bit silly. Like 40K ended up in a position where you ended up with like units shooting on twos, re-rolling ones. And you were like, well, why, why are we rolling dice? What's the purpose here? So I do like it if, you know, everything generally sits around the three to five category. Uh, it does mean that, like, it's hard to delineate between a dragon and a goblin, but we are where we are. Like, you know, they chose the dice. Uh, okay, so that's shooting phase. And we've got magic missiles and magic vortex spells. Uh, pray for Rob. Okay, pray for <laughs> young Rob. Uh, Rob doesn't want, uh, doesn't want purple suns or dwellers below or any game-ending spells that are possible i think that's a silly thing to have in the game and i very much doubt that they'll be in the game they were very unpopular i think i, I think for the square base gt i'm going to uh, i gotta find i don't know if i want to just go with like a simple cowbell or if like maybe like one of those brass bells that you ring in the bar if you're buying everyone around of drinks but essentially every single time someone six dices a uh, a a a mass casualty um nuclear spell against rob i want to make sure someone is ringing a bell or otherwise drawing attention to your misery um just just so that just so that because this is going to be the last dance for for you know purple sun and dwellers below and i just want to make sure that you know each of those moments is really called out perhaps with, with something that later on you might hear maybe you'll be at a bicycle race and you'll hear the cowbells ringing and you'll just get drawn back to a time of great discomfort and misery <laughs> Uh, honestly you know when they blew up the old world i thought well at least i'll never have to face a purple sun and i don't know why at the... <laughs> like like I've, I've i've threaded the eye of the needle for eight years since the end of the old world i had the opportunity to hop skip and avoid it and then just before the launch of the old world i signed up to have it happen again I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Uh, that feels like a mistake. But yeah, I'd like to see that go away. I like that, mi that magic missiles are here at the same time as shooting phase. That's cool. That gives you a lot of utility choice. Um, uh, it's fun. And then we got the combat phase. During this phase, units fight in deadly hand-to-hand -hand melee and wizards attempt to fend off their attackers with assailant, assailment spells. Sorry. Units that have lost combat may be driven back or become broken and flee. At the end of this phase, once all combats have been resolved, the active, play active player turns end. Uh, which is interesting. Nothing about scoring in these phases. Nothing about scoring. Like this is strategy you... phase. Uh, I think they they actually do call out. Uh, they do call out. Maybe it's later on when they're talking about the sub phases. Okay. All right. Well, nothing yeah. in here so far. Okay. Combat yeah. phase. I like the idea of assailment spells. Ooh. 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 What is an assailment skill? Is, is that is that maybe like a, a like, close a, combat like a spell. leadership? 
Oh, 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 like, yeah, okay, 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 yeah. Like Fists of Gork, got it, yep. Yeah, I think that would be cool, an assailment spell. That sounds pretty fun. Um, Jack, get your, get your wizard all juiced up on magic energy, hell yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, okay, and then uh, combat, deadly hand-to-hand melee, and that's it. And at the end of this phase, once all combat's been resolved, the active player turns end. So that's it for the moment. Uh, so uh, how do you feel about the phases so far? I think it's great. It's consolidated. It's great. There's only four of them. Um, it's great. I got no, I got no no nothing uh, nothing but uh, superlatives so far. Okay, everything in the every one of those phases is broken down into a sub phase, and there are apparently four sub phases for each phase. Hmm. Sixteen sub phases altogether. 16. Awesome. Okay, strategy phase. We begin with the start of the turn sub phase. So that's where you begin. Uh, which when certain units perform special actions or take tests, these aren't common and their details will be clearly stated in the rules. For example, stone trolls will take their stupidity tests at this juncture and also uh, when night goblin fanatics are placed on the table. Uh, so, so that's fun. I imagine stupidity tests are going to be here. This is where we're also going to see uh, animosity tests <laughs> as well. Uh, maybe you'll see like resurrection stuff happen. You know, for like zombies or skeletons and stuff, uh, like a bunch of special rule stuff in here before the game begins. Yeah. And uh, every every uh, uh, read and react to this has so far has called out how evocative and incredible this this image of the river trolls barfing on some uh, some some empire uh, uh, soldiers is. And I have to agree, it's hard to be cynical about this. It's so sick. It's really good. I wonder if this is taken straight from the rule book, and all the rule book has got this kind of sepia artwork in it. Um, well, this is a classic. This has been. This is. This probably goes back uh, uh, many years at this point. Uh, this particular piece. I think both of them. I don't think we've seen any original art yet. Oh, interesting. Additionally, a particular scenario may require you to check whether a victory condition has been met at this point. You may also use a period to tie the table, removing straight casualties and errant dice. I don't think. I like that. We, I don't think we're going to see. It's a tidy uh, up face. Tidy up. <laughs> tidy up. Get that gum wrapper off the table. Can we call it the tidy up phase from 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 forever now? Yes, absolutely. Tidy up phase. Tidy up phase, lads. <laughs> uh, the tidy up. Bong 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 bong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you may also use, uh, so they, uh, one of the things that uh, also got said here um, is about the victory conditions and I don't think we're going to see armies battling over objectives I think the movement in the game is too static to have a real world effect in that way so I think we're probably going to see each scenario having some very specific condition maybe uh, you know, uh, King of the Hill, capture all the yeah. flags, something I, I, like that. Yeah, probably not like the very dynamic, you know, go get this uh, objective or cap this objective type thing. But I think zones of control make a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised you, I haven't seen them in a lot of scenarios uh, that we didn't really see them before. Like, for example, if you if you divided the table up into like four stripes, basically a deployment zone, um, you know, and then two in the neutral zone and then one in the opponent's deployment zone, you know, depending on how far your army moves up or controls that, that th those zones, you know, that's extra bonus points for VP and stuff. Um, right now, uh, fantasy is, and has always been very, very kill point heavy. It's about, it's about take basically killing your opponent's stuff and protecting your own stuff. Um, and with, with some weird wrinkles in a couple of the scenarios, um, so the only thing that ever had any kind of an objective was actually one of the worst objective based missions ever called the watchtower. 
and that had a lot to do with how terrain rules worked, why it was so bad. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's so much, and I'm sure just like I'm, I'm used to talk about how with AOS, they what, what game system did they take the original mission pack from? War Machine it, Hordes. Uh, War Machine Hordes. So like, I, I think there's just a lot of places you can look considering you know, you've know you got Kings of War out there, you've got um, uh, Conquest, Rite of Kings, or, or what have you. You've got the Game of Thrones game. There's probably a lot of mission design and concepts that will have similar constraints to how things move on the table that you could probably take and, and uh, have some good ideas from. The problem with the game is that, like, functionally, and I mean physically, it is static. Like, it just is. Because, like, you, you can't put a hill on a board because you have to move a fairly large 9-inch, well, not 9-inch, but it's quite big, but, you know, a fairly large tray. You know, uh, like, and same with, like, you know, terrain going up and down terrain. It's it's basically impossible to measure that well uh, in any shape or form. Uh, so, like, having... Uh, like terrain's going to be really important, combat lanes and other stuff, and that, therefore objectives makes it. It's quite hard to do objectives, in my personal opinion. Um, but I do think the idea of like uh, board quarters and other stuff is yeah. going to be. You know, the game is linear. Like you know, a tray only normally goes in a certain tray shape in a tray way, and like, and there's very few units that are incredibly fast. So tray based games tend to be, in my opinion, quite static in their movement orientation. Um, Oh, like when I've seen them play and when I've played them myself. But that's just the nature of how it works because you've got, you know, <laughs> like a base. Your base is effectively your model, right? And your base is huge. Yeah. But then, so I think, I don't know. I find I find the games of fantasy that I've, uh, that I've been playing to be very dynamic, but maybe it's just the... The scope of that movement is, is, more, is more narrowly focused. Yes. And the, so therefore the decisions you make with your movement have massive implications on the game. So rather than having a mil, like when I was playing orcs in, in 40 K, I had to move, uh, you know, a hundred plus models miniatures individually each turn. Each one of those is a micro decision. When you have them all just bricked up and into movement trays, now I'm making much fewer choices. And like, literally every time you move a model, that is a choice your brain is making. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, despite how fast you might move through it, um, but because now I'm down to as many units as I have is how many models I'm moving essentially, cause they're on trays. Um, it becomes much more consequential. So I find that, um, it's just, the movement is very satisfying and incredibly impactful despite it maybe not being like in 40 K or AOS where you have models, you know, jumping all over the table and like things can go very great distances, very small distances have tremendous amount of importance in this game. Um, and so I don't know, it's just been fun to do that. I just, I want to pump the brakes on it being called static because um, movement is is just so like with all of these uh, tabletop board games, movement is incredibly critical, and uh, you know I think um, uh, you know just just a, a real pivotal part of the game, just different. Yeah, my, I, I I also agree. Movement is the most important stat in any war game, like across all of the ones that I play. I'm just you know like looking at because you are going to have to talk about two D terrain. Two D terrain is a function. You know, if you would like hills to have an impact on your game, like you can't go up and down a physical hill. That's nonsense. It's nonsense talk. It's not even close to measuring correctly. And the difference, we know the math. The difference between a, like, you know, a seven inch charge and a nine inch charge is significant. You know, and right. you're, you know, you and you're fannying about on a hill with a giant tray. <laughs> it's just, there's absolutely every chance that that's a couple of inches difference. And when units are pointed based on their movement and everything else, movement, if we recognize that movement is the most important stat, if we recognize that, then 
its impact on how we do it correctly in a game is also really important as well. Anyway, anyway. Here's here's something that I uh, take for granted as well, is that uh, all of my stuff I run on metal trays with magnets. So my guys can go up a hill, uh, and they can go down a hill, uh, and they can kind of stick there. Um, but like uh, I was playing someone who had like a, a metal uh, dark elf army, and they weren't magged to the tray. And I was like, oh, we'll put a hill in the middle. He's like, no, man, I can't. I can't, I can't play on a hill. I was like, what? He's like, they're just going to fall off the tray, dude. I was like, oh. So check your privilege when you have magnets, I guess. Yeah, yeah check your, your, your magnet-based privilege. Also, thanks to Nogel Matthew for donating a gift subscription to Goblin Toes in the chat. <laughs> the second subface is more exciting, okay? Uh, like the command. This is where most characters' special rules fire off. For instance, a Bretonian Lord brandishing the Falcon Horn of Fredmund may blow it in the command subface, hopefully preventing opponents from being able to fly. So this is going to be cool. Lords and heroes have a phase where they can activate abilities around them. This is fun. Yeah. Uh, I really like this. This is going to be cool. This is where they can like impact the game. Having different lords and heroes is going to impact how you play. I love just, you know, a lord change is going to change your army from being, you know, like a fast charging army to maybe a more static castle army just because of its commandability. Love that. Again, try not hard to say commandability there. Makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I just really like that this is also where where getting rid of the magic phase opens up a lot of stuff for the game because I think right now the game is pigeon like for the stuff that has that flavor for those special abilities for those buffs for those you know big game changing sort of effects uh, that are so much fun combos and things that you, you you layer with units right now that almost exclusively comes from magic most items impact the character themselves or the model themselves not necessarily anything that's an area of effect thing. Um, so immediately right here, we're seeing a, an item carried by a hero that, yes, it's magical, um, but it's not, you know, a bound to uh, a magic phase result. Um, and so now for the less magical factions out there, the ones that, you know, like dwarves or maybe it's, a, you know, a Sigmarite, uh, you know, a cult of some kind, you know, that maybe you don't want to have a ton of wizards in it. Now you might have things that can still boost and buff your army throughout the game, uh, that isn't like completely locked to uh, a level four wizard. Yeah, I, I, that makes a lot of sense, and it is also a great way to personalize your army as well. Yeah, like yeah, uh, like and yeah, it it gives a lot of tools, which I think is really good. We won't go over the rule right now because I'm sure that'll be uh, something important in the future. Uh, where mm -hmm. would Warhammer be without magic? You'll know there's no magic phase, of course. Instead, magical powers and spells are cast during relevant phases. Hand of Mork or Gork is a conveyance spell, so it's teleport, which means it casts in the movement phase, for instance. However, the third step of the strategy phase is conjuration, which actually got me really excited. Uh, which is when you cast enhancements, magical boosts for your allies or hexes, magical penalties for your enemies. Players take turns during this step to choose wizards who aren't fleeing to attempt to cast spells. Uh, now that's very exciting. So both players are going to cast spells in that phase, in both players' turns. So if you look at the, so again, this is coming down to the 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 second rank. Maybe picking up a half written article from someone who had to rage quit. Uh, if you look at the wording on it, uh, it says that the active player casts things. So I think Why if you go back up to maybe in the in the um, maybe in the breakdown of the turn sequence, if you go all the way, if you scroll up. During stretch phase, the active player attempts to cast enhancement or hex spells and makes use of certain special rules. I think that they would not have. I I agree with you. Like I have said, not to trust this, but I think the idea, <laughs> like I I think that both players getting to cast spells would actually make a lot of sense in this phase. It could be fun. 
it I could think that be, would fun. be fun that's actually really exciting i loved that when i read it i was like that's cool yeah well have they, they also haven't mentioned how dispelling works anywhere um uh so yeah so i i don't know um because right now i think there's there's like is in 40k is basically things just go off i don't think there is a dispel anymore this would, i don't think you can a, unbind this is a big deal like to get this wrong players take it in turns during this step to choose wizards who aren't fleeing to attempt to cast spells i don't know i reckon i reckon that's you go i go in the in the in that phase so wizards It'd be fun. that would be It'd really be fun, fun. Also, it means yeah. that, like, if I do a hex on you in my turn, like, you know, I you know, I make your unit minus one to hit, then the next turn I've got to do it again. It means it's not such a, it means that there's yeah. not such a global spike on a hex or a, or a does that make yeah, sense? It could be, yeah, it could be phase to fit. Like, basically, it could be, um, you know, player turn to player turn rather than game turn to game turn. Because, yeah, right now, if you get a, if you get a, a um, an enchantment off on a on a unit, it'll last for my turn and your turn before it stops again at the start of the next magic phase. So this might make it so that it's at this, basically a new game each time someone's uh, going into a strategy phase. Which yeah, I think that could be cool. Could it also would mean the math wouldn't spike so like one like oh he got the game changing spell, you know, turn two to three when we did most of the combats that that ruined it. Um, okay, I like that. Uh, if that ends up being the case, which obviously we got to wait for, I would prefer that to you do all your stuff and, and that's out there's a yeah. bit of like oh okay time to have a little yeah. bit of a go boys that's fun yeah. all right and that brings back a little bit of that mini game aspect too right so yeah. like i i agree there's a lot of there's a lot of upside to that but i there's there's also reasons to think that that was just someone not understanding what's going on okay all right fair uh well i mean because we do get an example of this until uh this is cast on yourself it's an enhancement but that's different to oh wait conjuration is enhancements yeah until the start of your next turn, how does it work? It's cast as an enhancement. It's casting value seven. It's cast on yourself until your the your next start of turn, your next start of turn, same yeah, phase. There you go. Any friendly unit that has any Necrohar and Undead special ability. Okay. All right. Maybe that's the case. Also, super curious to see that uh, whether or not the the uh, enchanted item uh, from Bretonia and this uh, Tomb King's item are these going to be generic items from the book? In which case, awesome. Or are these um, like uh, are these things that are from those army books for those two armies themselves? Um, from the army books. Yeah. So are these ba basically? I, like again, I'm assuming that on day one we're gonna have you know essentially every army in index form, even the ones we know that are about to get an army book. Just like you know, Space Marines always gets an index despite them only being in index form for like five minutes. Um, so uh, I'm curious to see if those generic item, those items there, are those. The generic ones from like whatever the index thing is or are they um or are they from the army books that we'll be releasing in 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 short order well let's segue into the news section or the rumor section and i think that we yes. can like we can we can talk about what we think we do know and what we do think okay. we, uh, what we do think we do know is that we're going to get a core rule book mm -hmm. and we're going to get two independent books that are on release which will be one will have all of the armies which are good and all of their army lists and then we will have a, okay. like a bad guys book with all of their army lists and then we will get some pdfs for the legends if that means and then so we will end up with you know three books at launch and then i'm assuming mm. uh, that when you get the bretonian box or the tomb king box or whatever in the future you're going to end up with maybe either some more units that are going to be added in via those boxes 
um, yeah. and buy those books and then maybe even some new ways to play those armies i think that's probably going to be our process and our, our like how it works going forward that makes a lot of sense i think they're going to give you a full game at launch with pdfs and also books but i think that they'll be more comprehensive than indexes i really yeah, I hope so I uh, yeah so. especially in the pdf ones especially um again because i <laughs> this is a piece of me is thinking this i feel like a lot of uh at least some of what at least some of the reasoning for which armies got the the release uh like what that original eight core armies is at least some of that logic feels to me like a turf war between no no we want those for aos oh a hundred percent like yeah absolutely so so then the other piece of me is like okay no problem mate we won't release any rules for them and uh, boom, there's some PDFs on on the website that um, are very deep and good as rules out of spite. Well, I can, uh, I, can like, touch I wouldn't on those. be surprised if like Seraphon and like like what are some other hot hot releases are like very good competent PDF rules because f you guys, uh, we're gonna sell out as many of these beautiful new lizards as we possibly can. Yeah, um, I, I like so. If we look at the ones that are missing ogres as an example, uh, oh yeah, like there just has to be a new ogre AOS range coming sometime soon. It's been like six years with nothing. We've had a couple of models. Skaven we know is the launch box for Fourth Edition Age of Sigmar. Uh, so Skaven is missing. That makes a bunch of sense. Like I nice. think that I think like uh, Chaos Dwarfs. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Chaos Dwarf release. It's been rumored for a long time um wow, okay like uh, even like i i happened to run into a, an employee at adepticon four years ago when they released a singular chaos dwarf in a cultist kit and i was like what's going on he was like it's coming rob it's coming and i'm like okay like and this is someone who knows yeah not to yeah. out them this is someone who knows so i'm like i think all those things that we're seeing in legends i agree with you is probably in contention but we, we you and me talked about this kind of offline if the so we've had nine announced uh, armies yeah and if we were to add in eight, the announced. Idea, uh, eight, eight announced armies oh i thought it was nine it's four and four is oh, it? okay maybe well either way yeah. like well, let's say it's eight um for now for ease and then if we were to talk about like the armies which they have made public declarations that they're working on uh which right. is Cathay and kislev right right uh so obviously both of those will definitely come uh then uh you end up at 10 which over the course of a three-year cycle yeah. you know is it's not quite one a quarter but it's close enough i'm assuming we're going to get launch we're going to get those two boxes for Bretonian team kings immediately uh so then you know uh like they might i don't think they'll i don't think they'll get through it in two years i think it'll be three uh, and if they do end up doing more than those eight to ten then three years is actually a fairly tight window like you know an army a quarter uh, roughly that'd be quite interesting yeah no I, I think i think it sets up perfectly for for a sort of a three-year cycle um and then um you know a 2.0 maybe you know however they want to phrase it uh you know three years from now and basically six years in six years you have a completely released edition of warhammer fantasy which never happened literally fantasy has never been up to date i don't think they ever had a single uh edition where everyone except for sixth which had sort of like the the armies of renown roles maybe six got a book out for everybody i know even dwarves got two um but yeah like we, we were talking about that on the last show that it just this lines up pretty well um for um 
for for timing it out over sort of a three year cycle. What what I find a bit this what what I'd be hoping for is actually uh, if that's true, then they bump things into a four year cycle for everything else. So it would be really neat if AOS it's not mainline though. Well, it's not today. Um, but and also horse heresy is horse heresy mainline. Is that considered horse now mainline? Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it's not right now, but I mean, it, it. I wouldn't be shocked if if this weasels up next to Horus Heresy. So you have sort of a, you know, like a you could have alternating launch over four four years. Feels feels more appropriate and comfortable to me as far as core edition updates are concerned. Um, I feel like the three year cycle is just way too fast, and I think that you're probably burning out your um, your your most engaged player bases with that kind of a cycle. Especially if you want to release, if you want to release every book uh, in three years, which you know they haven't even really been that committed to. I, I don't think 40k is going to do it this time. Um, oh, it will. You know, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so at all. Um, they, they, well, at this pace, they won't. They won't even come close but to, to release. Do, they'll just do double releases. But then, so you, so you, so you go, you go crazy, you go ham, you know, go crazy mid edition, only for everyone to have their book for three months before you 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 blow them all up again. It just it's a very feels badsy cycle having it non three years. Whereas I, you could do a two or three year release, and then have a year or two of campaign books at new models, fun stuff like really just um, you know there's lots of better ways to skin the cat. And having a fourth game, you know, a fourth you know leg of the stool, I think would be really helpful for that. And maybe I'm overstating the the impact fantasy will have. That's very possible. I'm pretty bullish on this, um, but uh, you know, like uh, I, I think. I think it would it would slot in nicely with Horus Heresy as an offering. I'd like to be clear, I'm not an advocate for the three year cycle. Like I'd like to be clear. Like mm. and and across that three year cycle, like um that's because it sounded that like I was I'm not in any way advocating for it. I just think that that is the process that they'll go through because they have money that they want to make. It's that simple. And like why would they release these books with only three months left? It's because they want you to buy the books and they don't read they don't there's it's not customer friendly. That's never been the point. Um, so like, you know, we have to, we have to like, dis like disabuse ourselves of, of like, I I'm excited about the game, excited about the minis, I'm excited about all of it, but it's a G-dubs product. Let's just be super clear straight off the bat. Uh, and that's a th fair thing to say. We can be excited about all of it going in and we've all been through this process. So that's a good yeah. thing. No, no, I, we got to set our expectations. It's, it's a big company. They do big dumb company things all the time. Um, and I, I just I feel like they are burning out their player base. Um, and that, that's the impression. That's what I felt a little bit about 40K. I don't know if that's playing out in reality, though. That just might just be me projecting. Not in um, but like, but this, the pace, the pace feels over, overwrought. Their ability to keep up is not there. They can't keep things in stock. Uh, they're really struggling with that, despite saying in their annual report that they have excess uh, production capacity, which is insane to me. I, we got to go, everyone in chat, buy one share of Games Workshop and let's all just go to the friggin' meeting and just be like, guys, these guys are telling you everything's fine. We actually like this shit and we can't buy anything and we want to spend more money, but they won't let us. Like, I swear to God, like a shareholder revolt, revolt like people used to tell people talk like GameStop and like, oh, the people, we're going to, we're going to stick it to the man. We're the people. All that kind of, it was all bullshit. You everyone was getting manipulated by hedge funds and. It was, it was nonsense. However, this is a real opportunity to just fuck with Games Workshop is just entirely through through their through their shares. Um, anyway, 
that is all to say that I think the biggest threat to this game is actually not rules. I don't think it's interest. I think lots of people are going to be interested. Um, I think there's going to be a lot, enough people in every major city who used to play who will at least give it a try. Uh, it's going to be miniatures. It's going to be availability of models. It's going to be the uh, being able to get the stuff to play the game. I'm almost like if, if someone's going to sync this, it's going to be that. It's just that you're not going to be able to get the stuff you want. Um, and that can lead to a cycle of people being like, fine, if I really want to do this, which is what's happening right now, right now, if you want to play Warhammer Fantasy, you got to go on eBay, you got to 3D print stuff, you got to like, you know, go, go to garage sales and shit. Only people who are like super driven are going to do that. Um, so that's what I, if something kills this game, it's going to be the same thing that killed it the first time, which is neglect and mismanagement. I don't, I think that once this game is open, uh, this game never goes away again ever ever and i got a couple of like this this is now this is back for good this is back for a long time um because i just don't think those any of those elements are overly important like just the sales of the books alone would justify the production costs of like oh, 100%. You know, the the time yes. spent on it um so like we're, yes. you're you're in it like if you listen to this don't worry you, the game that's about to launch is not a game that's that's in any fear of falling apart uh, i'm not like, talking about so yeah i guess i'm not talking about old world uh like like end time style blow it up that, that was also a company that was reducing the amount of things on the shelf on purpose Right, so they didn't have specialist games because they thought it distracted from you know their core focus, which was you know at the time fantasy and 40k. Really, just 40k was where they wanted to get to, um, and uh, they didn't want to have anything else distracting from that whatsoever. There was no ancillary products, uh, which was a complete and tremendous failure, which they've reversed course on massively. So yeah, I agree. Just like worst case scenario for this game is 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 you know the Middle Earth strategy battle situation. Uh, which is, you know, it's available. It's there if you want it. You can always have it um, and, and that kind of stuff. But I think what I'm more worried, what I'm thinking about is the ability to get a game, the ability to like have a group chat with friends that are local enough to you that are interested and, and, and are excited and want to travel to something, want to do things with the game, are looking forward to new releases. That sort of, uh, that sort of a thing is, is lightning in a bottle and, and, you know, keeping that fire stoked and, and burning over the course of an edition is very easy for established games like 40k maybe to an extent aos you've got people who are just going to be there but if you have this moment this launch moment of interest and you get a bunch of people to to buy into it um but then they can't engage with it because they literally can't buy the stuff which again is a serious problem i think for for 40k and, and aos right now too i think that's the threat to like building an actual interested engaged community um that wants to play in big tournaments which is what i'm always 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 interested in also my focus as well a hundred percent i like like because that's our goal i think we should be really clear on that it's a good point you put that at the end because like that is maybe five percent of the population of people who are going to buy into this like that's really important they'll have enough books they definitely can make enough books and that'll be 90 percent or 80 percent of the people will buy into this and then some people will buy some minis and then never put them together like it, we already know that tournament gamers are the very thin end of the thinnest end of the wedge of people who are into this and then the law youtubers are going to make bank uh because there'll be some new law out for the old world which people will be super happy about they'll listen to it they'll never engage with it beyond that um and then there'll be a very small select people and you're right for that 200 to to 2000 people around the world that want to uh, play tournament old world 
there is going to be potentially a production issue. But other than that, um, I, it, the numbers are not high in that regard. To, to me, a game a game success is in, almost entirely driven by whether or not people are willing to go out and play it, right? Like, so, like, 40K, like, Games Workshop survived because people refused to not go out in the world and play it. Um, people refused to not figure out how to make 7th edition work. They refused to accept that it was dumb to run tournaments because of how much space they take and how much, uh, you know, terrain and stuff would need and to be how done. how much Games Workshop didn't want you to. And how much Games Workshop didn't want you to. Like, people just refuse. And, like, so people will, will use, you know, when you make something, whether it's art or a product or whatever, they're going to, you put it out in the world, people will, will find its greatest utility, right? So, like, they will, they will find whether or not it's worthwhile. And if, if it is, it'll sustain itself. If it isn't, it won't. Um, and so, you know, for me, I think whether or not a game is healthy is entirely defined by its actual active community. And that's, that's, that's not, I like things on Facebook or I argue about things in a discord. That's, do you show up? Like whether or not you show up is, is I think the real way in anything in life showing up is, is how you show whether or not you actually, you know, um, are behind something or, 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 or into something. And so having the ability for people to show up is kind of the most important thing. And which is why I think uh, as we go forward with this beautiful new endeavor that is uh, this, the uh, uh, Square-based podcast, a subsidiary of the Honest Gamer uh, Network, um, is that we start to maybe do some start collecting videos because I think this is going to be hard uh, for people to engage with. And I think if we, as like our first leading resource is, here's a, a beautiful curated sample of you know the best things out there that you can get for dwarfs. Uh, the best things out there that you can get for um, Bretonians, et cetera, et cetera. All those core release factions. I think that's going to be something that people will actually find useful because Lord knows you and I have looked at a lot of STLs, a lot of third-party mini manufacturers. Yeah, definitely. Also, even the potential that we could then sell those to people, like uh, production capacity here at the, the THWGN is pretty prodigious at this stage. Uh, so like there's a potential long term but that's not like a, a, a now situation that's a maybe situation no. but yeah I agree with you like Bretonian sculpts like like I have zero hope of getting hold of one of those uh, Bretonian boxes I'm pretty certain uh, we'll see but like we you know we, you and me are people who are endeavoring to be excited about this we make we've been making content for like nearly a year about it with almost no information literally the the wisps of 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 embers is what we've had yes uh so uh there's been uh, almost there's been almost nothing and i think uh developing a bunch of resources for people to get into the hobby is a great shout uh because like that's something we've been thinking about as well and then it just mitigates all the problems some of the stuff i'm looking at is infrastructure for army list building because that will not be available at launch and infrastructure for for stats as well which is also something that we're doing currently we're redoing that for aos so you need that... events you need events if, you, if you're gonna have stats unless you know you could have a game track i don't know we could talk about lots of cool things you can do um and uh and also by the way rob yeah in in the in the in the uh i don't know 16 episodes i don't know how many we've done of, of just basically marking time for a year waiting for this to come uh to, to show up um we've been pretty pretty prescient all the way through i gotta say if you're if as we as we re-upload some of the uh the old square based episodes go back and just say geez these guys these guys they knew what they were talking about <laughs> And well, then never question us again as things become firmed up. 
Question us all the time. It's a really helpful Never. thing to do. The, the Squarebase community is all about questioning stuff because the Honest War Gaming community is always about questioning stuff. But yeah, very excited uh, kind of future. Um, in uh, it would be Boobin. Yeah, you should message me. We should talk about that. Uh, there's a there's a very exciting future uh, for uh, the old world stuff. I'm excited. Uh, our backgrounds. I'll just show this out there. Uh, Val's is obviously the square based fish or the bast. Um, square bass. Which, which obviously Val, you can but obviously it's a Mordheim reference. Oh, that's obvious, right? I, I well, I mean, it's just you know the motif of the fish has uh, has has existed in fantasy and in in uh, in the old world quite a bit, and also square bass is hilarious, and I'm just glad that we have at least some sort of a nod to it. <laughs> you know, you got to give the people what they want; they want that square bass. Mine is chaos dwarf inspired. Uh, that's what mine Very is. Good. So it's red reds and fires. A little bit gutted about chaos dwarfs on launch. Feel I'm a little bit. Um... Like it's going to be a legended army. Like I think it'll be fine. I think you'll be able to play. Also, I think you'll be able we, to play please, a legend please, army. We got. Go on. We got. We got. We got to fix this. This uh, phrase phraseology because people are really paranoid. out. They're not legend. They did. They're. They're just. They're get you by lists. They're. They're because they are. We need a better word to be then. coming. Legended implies that it's been removed from the game, whereas these are very much in the game. You know what I'm saying? So okay. a legended, like if you're in 40k. And your legend did, did that means you're dead. You've been removed. You don't exist. In this case, I think they're very much intended to be used. Oh, definitely. They're just not. They're just not published as part of the the core faction. And as a result, again, because of that interscene, interstudio warfare going on, I think that means that they will probably make them very good rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to be clear. I think any of the not legended armies uh i will come up with a name for it at some point uh pdf pdf armies non-core factions PDF. how about that non-core factions okay uh, and if you play any of the non-core factions i think that they're going to be playable across the entire course of the three or four year edition whatever it ends up being i think they'll be yeah. completely playable across that process maybe little less options as new armies get new new units and stuff but like i think it'll be fully playable so committing to chaos dwarfs at the beginning feels a bit like like that's i'm not really sure how i feel like bretonia like that's on my list maybe a lot more than tube kings are um but with like you know orcs and goblins down the line empire there's some real options empire i'm really excited about because i'm kind of i'm kind of a city state guy now like I, 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 said I, i've got a little bit too city statey and um and i'm not really like i'm a bit uncomfortable with i'm like oh yeah fucking i hate the nordlands i'm a midden hand like do you know what i mean like <laughs> As as a as an avowed as as a devout Nordlander slash Marienberger, um, I, okay, we I, uh, I, uh, I I'm I'm down with this. I feel like, yeah, there, there's a lot of meat to 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 like for them to explore, um, you know, different areas of the empire, give them and giving them sort of more interesting rules, which they used to do. Like back in you know six ed, there there were like custom lists for like known artillery lists, which I'm sure was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, like they, there's, you know, I have an, a, an army of Sterling, a bunch of, uh, backwater bumpkins. Um, just trying not to get eaten by vampires, you know? All right. Well, okay. Wait, listen, I'm really excited about all of this. I'm excited about these rules previews. Excited. Cause it will get hotting up in the next few months. It's going to be hotting up. Uh, this could we, be weekly for all we know. We could, I mean, like this is, this is a pretty, they, they talked about one. So there's 16 of these coming maybe, um, in addition to other stuff, so I think this this is now the cycle of hype. Like we're we're in it now, um, yeah. where like we're gonna see probably I would think something like more like weekly um, coming at us until you know January. 
Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And also, I expect it that, like, expect to see. I don't know if we're going to end up. Uh, there have been rumors of an open day as well in Nottingham in January. That's a rumor I heard. Uh, yeah, for Old World. That's a rumor. And then uh, a follow up rumor is uh, well, it's not a rumor, it's almost a guarantee that I'm assuming lots of the content creators who have got NDAs, which neither me or, well, like, uh, we don't have, like, the Squarebase uh, podcast because it's part of the Honest Gaming Network. We don't, ex- yeah, we don't accept. Uh, those things so uh like but i would expect we're gonna see a bunch of you know those big youtubers start doing bat reps and other stuff which is always great we love seeing that stuff that's really well produced things really exciting content so that's gonna be more fun stuff so it's gonna get like wow like if you think about the youtubers from when you know the end times ended obviously excluding mini wargaming because they were they were huge even then you know when even you... even they only they only started doing fantasy battle reports in earnest in 2014 so oh, they were really? like, oh, all right. Yeah, they were like, okay. Because I think books started releasing. So like there was like that, there was that like real big flurry of activity as they got into the end times. I think it was like four or five books in one year, which was a lightning pace compared to Games Workshop previous to that. And um, they, so they, they rebooted. It's actually, it's Ash. So um, Gorilla Miniatures Gaming and Steve the Mountain, who bailed, by the way, I haven't brought this up. He bailed. He bailed. He Steve bailed the Mountain, on the Square Base GT. Steve the Mountain bailed on the Square Bass GT. He did, but I'm I'm we don't need to actually bully him. Um but anyway, it was too bad. Pardon me. Um but yeah, so they started in 2014 and then they also were like, can't wait for 10th edition, gonna be real interesting, and then end times. It was funny. Um but yeah, so those early early battle reports are are kind of hilarious. Go watch. Yeah, and if it does end up being like the end of January or the beginning of February, it's the same thing. Okay. Like like, I, I mean, I imagine you get like pre-release, probably long window, drops in February. That that feels that feels about right because you know second or third week they probably put it on for pre-order, and then you know you get your you know it's actually for sale either the last week or the first week of February. That, okay. that feels right. Yeah, because everything's a two-week release now anyway. But that does mean that all the content creators will have the information early, which means having the mm-hmm. information early means that we can start doing reviews, and having those yep. reviews means we can start building army lists. It's mm-hmm. really exciting. So like, I mm-hmm. love being a part of that cycle, so that's going to be fun. Val, have you got anything you want to round us off with today? Any shout-outs? No, just, uh, you know, you heard it here first. This game's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, we've been standing for this game uh, for uh, for like almost a year, and it's so cool that it's it's coming with lots of details. Um, it's not perhaps our most hope, it's not the most hopeful version of things, like with a full re-release and all the force behind it, but I think what we're going to get is the best version of this game that they've ever made. And that's, uh, I mean, it can't get much better than that, really. You can't ask for much more than that. And I think that would lead to more cool minis and more fun stuff, more events, more people playing. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, I think, uh, I, like, I know I'm very excited about all of this. Uh, and I hope that you guys are having an exclusive space to talk about the old world, which is for new people who are excited about the process um is uh, going to be something so that's something i'm going to create over the next digitally create over the next couple of days uh towards the weekend and then again in the links you should be able to find all those spaces and do so um and then yeah and let's go on let's also not forget the creative assembly is melting down i, I uh, wanted to talk inside, yeah. so i was about to mention so if, that. If, yeah well so yeah there's a lot of people out there who are, are going to like one day that switch is going to turn off uh and uh you know what those people need their fantasy fix maybe they'll have no choice but to be like what's the tabletop all about 
yeah, we, we were going to mention that, but we've run out of time, so maybe we'll bring that up yeah. later. But yes, yeah. Creative Assembly I'm is sure also currently... I'm sure it will still be melting down next week. Yeah. Yeah. Next yeah. week, I'm sure it will still be as much of a gonk show as it is today. Based on the PR decisions they made this week, I assume they're already going to get worse as time goes. We haven't even talked about the website. The website's a disaster. Like, how are they going to no, launch no. the old world with the website that doesn't work for Games Workshop? Like, pretty spicy stuff. But that's all we've got time for this week. Hope everyone enjoyed the Square-based uh, podcast slash YouTube show. Uh, oh yeah, we haven't got a sign off yet, so we'll do that. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna be there, make sure you're square. Ha- oh, not that. Oh. Uh, what was it? Uh, what, what was? It? What did we have? We had uh, if it's if it's old, then it must be the old world. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not that. Not that. No, that's so Square is is uh, is just as bad as that. Hey, if you in the YouTube comments, um, if you get if you come up with the 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 sign off, like we'll we'll quote you. We'll be like uh, thanks to. Okay. Yeah, we'll quote we'll you one you time TM. though. Yeah, one TM. time. One time. <laughs> one time. TM. Be there. Be square. No. It's safe to be square based. No, no, no. Come on, guys. How has no one scrambled over to ChatGPT by now? No, we, uh, it, that's it, fine. No, because we need real creativity, not fake. Each week, have a terrible side off. That's easy. That's, <laughs> e- that's, that's <laughs> <Check> easy. Checkbox. <laughs> Done. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. I'll uh, see everyone soon. Goodbye.